This morning's message is brought to you <laughs> um, by members of our leadership team here at Franklin Baptist. And that's our smiley faces up on the wall uh, behind me there. Uh, this morning, you're going to hear a little bit from each of us. Um, so we're all, all up here this morning. Um, so my role uh, today is to try and keep everyone to time. So if you wouldn't mind praying for me, that would be great. Um, but also just to share a little bit of the history uh, and the background uh, for our time today in terms of um, just thinking about some, some of those of you who are in the room who might not have been coming to FPC for a while or perhaps you weren't at some of the services that I'm going to just reflect back on. Um, so we can give you, um, you know, a little bit of a background to what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I am going to have to, in the interest of time, skim over a little bit of the detail, but I'm very happy to provide more detail to anyone who wants more time to absorb what I'm going to share um, at this point um, as we go through today. So, you know, forgive the skim, but um, yeah, like I said, more details available for you if you want it. Um, back in late 2022, I think it was, um, the staff and leaders here at Franklin Baptist were kind of inspired by the words that are on the screen behind me. They're the words of Charles Hewlett. He is the national leader of the Baptist churches in New Zealand. Um, and he described Baptists as this, a collective of faith communities bringing gospel renewal to people and places in our local neighborhoods. Inspiring challenging <laughs> as well. Um, and he went on to say that when a church has um, robust leadership, is focusing on growing disciples, um, has a, a goal of authentic worship, and is um, stewarding its resources really well, um, then we are much more likely to be effective uh, in our mission as a church. So after prayerfully considering these words, the staff and the leaders agreed that for the next little while as we um, search for our senior pastor, we would focus on a couple of those particular areas. And those are growing disciples and effective mission. Then we wanted some input from uh, FBC attendees about specifically um, where we might want to focus our attention in these areas. So on the 22nd of December, 2022, <laughs> uh, we had what we called our discernment service. Many of you in the room will remember um, that we split into small groups here in the church. We had all the chairs in circles, um, and we spent some time each group looking at different areas of growing disciples and effective mission. Um, we looked at um, where we thought at that point God was working in our midst, um, and we also looked at the new and the different things that we could consider and where he might be leading us. And we also thought about um, the things that were important to us about the way that we should uh, work together to help achieve God's mission amongst us. Then on the 5th of March, so a few months later, uh, we had what we called our Looking Forward service. Um, and that's where we shared the feedback that we'd gathered in November. So we shared a long list of the amazing number of missional and discipleship activities that we were involved with at the time, or that we could be involved with um, in the future. And we also shared at that time what you said about our approach to ministry, and in particular, your feedback about the things that we needed to prioritize. And you told us... <laughs> History lesson 101 in a hurry, sorry. Um, you told us that we need to be stewarding our resources really well so that we work sustainably. Don't fry ourselves or burn out our staff or burn out our mission, uh, ministry leaders and our volunteers. 
he said we needed to adapt, be adaptable, think about, um, I guess, future-proofing ourselves. Um, um, we really, really need to genuinely engage upcoming generations if we don't want this building to be empty in 100 years. We'll talk some more about that as a church, I think, over the coming weeks. You told us we need to make sure that all our ministries, because we had a huge list up on the wall, but not everybody knew all about them. So you said, actually, we need a bit more visibility of what those things are. And you said we need to work collectively um, to uh, contribute to God's mission. So the feedback that we received from the groups emphasized that the way we do things was just as much and just as important as the things uh, uh, that we do. So the way and the approach to that. So during that same service, we also shared what we're going to talk about today, which are our final statements. And you can see them uh, behind me uh, on the nice hanging up thingies. Um, we, um, the leadership and staff teams developed those because we want to make sure that when we, we wanted to make sure, and we still do, that when we welcome a senior pastor into our midst, we are welcoming them to the most healthiest, you know, functional, um, missionally focused, discipleship focused church that we possibly can be. Um, and we still do want to do that. So today, what we're going to do is just revisit each of the five final statements. Um, and each of our leadership team are going to uh, share on one of those. So there's five of them behind, uh, behind me. And luckily, there's five willing <laughs> conscripted volunteers um, coming up to speak shortly. Um, uh, I guess... Um, What's important is that, you know, whatever God has for us in the future and whoever God is bringing into our midst in terms of senior pastor leadership, it's really important that we just keep these things front of mind. Uh, last week, Josh shared about our values, our welcome values and our mission just as a reminder. Um, so this week, we begin the year again. We continue to focus on the, the healthy side of things and what we want to focus on and the way we want to do things for the year that lies ahead. So it's good to keep these things front of mind. So to that end, I'm going to hand over to Nicole, um, who's going to kick us off. Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> Round of applause. Thanks. It's okay. Appreciate that. Hi. Good morning. Um, okay. Wow. Interest of time. Let's do it. Let's jump straight into it, like what I did in the story. Um, I'm talking about the one on your left in the middle. In our church funnel, we carefully consider how our thoughts, speech, and actions may impact one another. We show love and respect, and we receive and give feedback to each other with grace and humility. Um, I had a different story in mind, but I'm going to go with this one because why not? Um, recently, my family uh, went to Japan for a holiday, which was really dope. It was a fabulous trip. Uh, made some really, really great memories. Uh, one of which was being, uh, we saw snow for the first time, like falling snow for the first time, and we tried snowboarding. Oh gosh. Um, now, both my brother and I, um, brother, where's my brother? Zachary, yeah, my buddy. Um, he, he and I were trying this for our very first time, and in my head, I knew Zach has a really good knack for picking up things very easily. Um, I, don't, I, I can't catch on as fast, but that's okay. Um, and obviously, he's also far younger and therefore, right, more physically primed than I am um, for such an activity. So I was going into it and I was like, okay, Nicole, give yourself some grace. <laughs> you got this. You can't compete all the time. Um, 
And so I was near the end of the very easy beginner track, the easy beginner track. Um, and I had done a couple of runs down already, and uh, yet I still managed to fall on my knees, my face, my butt. I banged up my, my arm. I had done my wrists in um, and pretty much had done everything wrong <laughs> um, and was questioning my life choices. Um, I was in the midst of picking myself up in a, in a snow pile in between two trees, having crashed yet again, um, when there were two young kids on the ski lift shouting greetings at unfortunate people below, like myself, um, just going like, oh, hi to the skier. And to me, they went, oh, hi to the guy in the trees that just crashed. Are you okay? Guy. Um, but <laughs> um, I actually awkwardly went and I raised my intonation a bit to you know, show I'm not a guy. I was like, hi, I'm okay. And they were a bit startled. Um, but after that mild humiliation, exactly timed, my brother comes up to me and I'm like, oh gosh. Um, but, you know, he could have started laughing, but he fully didn't. Um, he just started to very kindly teach me what he's learned because he's already practically mastered it already. Um, and he taught me how to twist my hips and keep balance in my feet. And if I was to fall over to throw my legs in front of me so I don't do too much damage to my tailbone and whatnot. Um, and it really, really helped. Uh, not just in that moment, but, you know, albeit I still made plenty of mistakes, but throughout the day, it helped me to learn more myself and um, allowed me to actually have a really, really good time and enjoy snowboarding. So I was quite proud of my progress. Um, now, like I mentioned, Zach fully could have just like looked at my situation and just gone, <laughs> you're the guy that crashed in between the trees. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I probably wouldn't even blame him for doing that. Um, but no, he simply just started giving me ways to avoid hurting myself and improve my experience. And it seems like a bit of a trivial comparison, right? But um, if we take the simplicity of what happened in the story and apply it to like life situations, everyone is going through something, right? Um, we're all kind of doing things for the very first time and we are all imperfect, we're all sinners but we were called to reflect the character of Jesus. Whether that be in the way we speak and behave, we hopefully strive to live our lives in a way that will help people and help them avoid hurting themselves. And I've lost my place in my notes. Um, oh, there you go. And improves the way that we experience life together. If we don't show love, respect, grace, and humility, well, uh, for one, I probably would have had a very different, possibly negative snowboarding experience, but applied to the situations in life, we wouldn't be loving the way that Jesus loves. And the way we love one another is how the world will know we belong to him, right? That's what it says in scriptures anyways. Um, John 13, verse 34 and 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And you know it's important when it's like repeated. <laughs> so as a church family, it seems quite fitting for the first final statement we're talking about this morning, um, is that we commit to obeying his command to love one another as he loved, one, loved us by treating each other with kindness in speech, in thought, and in action. Thanks. This Liz next, I believe. Yes, oh, I'll, I'll, hand the, I'll hand the mic to um, Esther.
So uh, my statement, it's up on behind me, so I think if I start talking, you're probably all just going to be reading. So let's all um, just look at that together. So in our church, whānau, we follow a how-can-I-help approach. If we see something that needs change or improvement, we take responsibility as individuals to work proactively and constructively work with the relevant leadership team member or ministry team, uh, ministry leader, to address the matter. So we are a mixture of a whole lot of people that have come from a whole lot of different places, a whole lot of family backgrounds, a whole lot of different ways of relating in our families, in our workspaces. And some of those things are healthy ways and some are not healthy ways. And um, it may be that, you know, because you've been in a particular environment, you may not know of a healthy way to perhaps address some some issues that come up. So, so this statement is in regard to if you have a sense within you that there something is needing a change or improvement, how do you actually deal with that? So how do you take responsibility for that? So the um, leadership team, staff, they welcome input and um, yeah, input from from the congregation. So. Just reading, we've got this wonderful booklet. If you're wondering about aspects of, you know, how we relate as a family, um, this has been created. So there's lots of things in there. And one of them is a concerns procedure. And it says, as a faith community, we seek to build one another up, choosing to wholeheartedly love one another in a way that reflects Christ. However, we are so aware that any relationship, there are disagreements and concerns. And we want to make this process as easy as possible for you. So how do we, as a body of people who know Jesus and want to reflect Christ amongst each other and in our community, what do we do when we see areas that need change or, or there could be improvements in? So the first thing I would say is approach somebody about that. Rather than talking amongst you know, different ones, I would say approach the person who is most responsible for that area at that particular time. So you might be in, in children's ministry, so of course you'd go and see Carol or whoever's the leader of that particular area. And if the issue is unable to be resolved or needs further input, then that can go on further towards either a staff member or perhaps a, um, someone who has portfolios. So we're going to talk about portfolios shortly. Um, but yes, so, so I think that it is really good to recognise, like if you have a, a concern or see that things could be improved, taking responsibility and thinking, okay, God may well be calling me into being involved in this process. So um, we're working as family together. So, um, yeah, we can put up, yeah, there's our portfolios. So, yeah, quite a, quite a list of different things. So there are people for different areas that you can go and see. So I thought it was quite interesting that I was given complaints. Oh, it's got Faye up there. That's not right. I'm actually the complaints person now, I think. And I'm a peacemaker. So that's interesting. <laughs> Maybe that was appropriate. <laughs> 
So, so there is portals. So these are basically portals into the leadership team. And I love that we work as a group and we are wonderfully working together. So I'm very thankful to God for that because, um, you know, it's when we're in unity that we can experience God amongst us. So, so when issues do come up that need to come to the table, they come to the table and we discuss them and we give back a joint considered response to those things. So they may not always be what you want. I remember when I wasn't on the leadership team and I particularly felt very strongly about something. So I wrote a letter and, and um, felt God had talked to me and wrote down some verses and sent it to the leadership team for consideration. And there wasn't an agreement with my viewpoint. And I thought, oh, I felt really strongly about that. I thought, God, you know. Um, but as a faith community, we are called to submit one to another. And in that, we, we come jointly to know what is the, um, the, the considered view of what God is really saying in this place. So we may have strong views about things, but there needs to be a submission one to another. And um, so with that particular issue, I felt, okay, I need to submit to what the leadership team were had discerned at that time, and I laid it before God, and I said, God, I give this issue to you. If it's what you're wanting to bring about in the future, I lay it in your hands to bring about in your time. So, that's me. <laughs> um, where can that information be found? The portfolios? Bionic Ellen. <laughs> Good morning, Church. I'm Ellen, and I'm the only leadership team member who has had two knee replacements in the last couple of months. The last one being last Monday. Maybe I should just be sharing some tips on what to do when you have a knee replacement, but instead, Instead, I have the privilege. Instead of I have the privilege of speaking to you this morning about how we, the leadership team, and we, the congregation, jointly have a responsibility to respect and partner with our staff. So the staff is my thing right now. I want to say that over the years of my life, I have employed or managed staff in all sorts of situations. In education, I was head of faculty of a large Auckland secondary school and also chairman of the board of another large school. In business, I was part of the management team of an international corporation and also the owner of a small and medium enterprise. In sport, I've managed 13 international tours and have also served in leadership in the two churches that I have attended. So why am I telling you that? Well, if I learned anything 
from these experiences, it is that no organisation is better than the sum of the values of having good, reliable, trustworthy and motivated staff. That is the key to their success almost invariably. And this is the situation that we have at Franklin Baptist Church. As in every establishment, few people know how much work their staff do. And in our case, our staff do more than they were employed to do, and they do more than what they are paid to do. I don't know if it's because they see their job as a calling rather than as an ordinary employment position, but I think maybe in their case it is more that the character of the individual staff that we have here, one of service beyond requirements. I would like to think that our church by now appreciates our staff, but more than that, are we communicating that appreciation to them? Hopefully, we as individuals and as leadership team members, we are telling them that they're doing well, that they're preaching well, that leading us in worship well, that they're serving well in their pastoral and administrative functions. Have we communicated our appreciation to the staff? Church, I think we would be naive if we think that this is always the case. This church is no different from many other churches that have had their share of burnouts, and breakdowns in their staff. These unfortunate cases include everyone from the most senior position right through the ranks. I haven't been on the leadership team for a long time, but I have been there long enough to know that burnout invariably involves over-expectation placed on staff, and often perceived constant criticism. If you are like me at all, you love this church, and you love being part of an establishment, an assembly, which embraces the concept of loving God, loving people. In addition to the encouragement and gratitude that we all should practice, the leadership team has its normal responsibilities as any employer, which regards respect, it regards honouring their privacy, it, 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 the provision of safe and happy working places. Interestingly enough, in a recent judgment to employment matters, relating to employment matters, the presiding judge said that an employer has just as much responsibility for the mental health of their staff as to providing a physically safe working environment. 
Scripture often reminds us that the body is made up of many parts and each part needs to be functioning well and constantly lifted high to ensure that we achieve the mission that our Father has has set before us. So I would like to end this by offering a collective thanks to all of our staff from all of us here, both the paid and the voluntary staff for the work that you do. We do appreciate you. We want to walk alongside you. We have open ears if there are things that are of concern to you because we know that we are part of the one body. I see that as our responsibility both as a leadership team member and as a member of this wonderful congregation. Thank you. Praise God. Let's read out the um, statement that... um, I'm going to cover in our church Fano, every language, tribe, and tongue is of value. We embrace the diversity amongst us, and we are open to God's lead wherever he may take us on the bicultural and the multicultural journey. And it's just so happens to be Waitangi Week this week. So it's perfect timing. And so when we look at the bicultural journey, um, I spoke to a South African last week. Neville, are you here this morning, Neville? And I thought, wow, they come from a different perspective to what we do. So what we need to do is bicultural as a local thing, but multicultural as a global thing. So we need to zoom out a little bit to see what God was doing on the world stage when it came to our bicultural journey. So in 1840, Titariti was actually written up. It was written up because at that time, the church was standing for something. Do you know what they were standing for? They were standing for freedom. They were abolishing slavery all around the world because the Church of Jesus Christ was standing against something. And as part of that, um, Hobson, who was a mentor, uh, mentee of a mentor called William uh, Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was actually drawing up those documents of abolishing slavery. So, When we focus our eyes, we have to focus our eyes not on that which is seen, but that which is unseen, because that which is seen is only temporary, but that which is unseen is eternal. So the eternal value in that document is about freedom. And it came through the church of Jesus Christ. It came to this nation. For God so loved the world, but everything that's made up in the world is called nations. And for our nation, he specifically gave that freedom document. Isn't that awesome? He gave that to us here in Aotearoa, not to many nations or any nations that I can think of around the world. So it's a unique part of our bicultural journey that those who are in the multicultural um, aspect of this statement need to actually understand when you come into this country, this is what God has done before you arrived here. I believe that that is why when us as um, Tangata Whenua here were drawing up that particular contract, there were three things I believe they were looking for. 
peace, unity, and prosperity. Again, three things that are eternal. So what happened when we signed that contract? Like when you signed that marriage thing that you do, the enemy will come in and the enemy will attack these things. Why? Because that's what he does. That's why we find ourselves in the place where we are today. Because God wants to establish things, not only in the spirit, but in the natural, but also the enemy is at work. But that's why I stand for this particular document of Titriti, is because I understand what God was doing. I understand there was also a revival in New Zealand at that time through that generation as well. 50% of New Zealanders gave their hearts to Jesus. We are nearly 200 years to that date. This is our generation. What are we going to stand for? What's our obligation in this generation? Well, this is what we do. What I love about these whānau statements are they are eternal statements. This is what brings unity within our church. This is what makes us unique here in Pukekoi. The Baptist Māori movement was actually born out of this place. That's amazing, man. So not only is he doing something in the nations around the world and has given us something unique for New Zealand, but our church was a part of bringing through the Māori ministries here in Aotearoa. That's what you're a part of. You might not understand that, you might not understand the history, but that's why we are here today in regards to what's our part now? What's our part to bring this journey forward? Not only for tangata whenua, but for everybody. So that's all I have to say. God bless. Lorena Fano, welcome. Just to qualify Liz's statement about complaints that come to the church, it was actually me on the portfolio, but Liz's name got put in by error. And in the meantime, she came onto the search team. Um, she was already a leader and therefore um, comes onto that portfolio. So Liz and I are sharing the search committee responsibility as well as the complaints. So there should be two names in both places. I am here to speak to, in our church whānau, we affirm both men and women equally in leadership and service. We encourage all people to discover where God is calling them to serve. I come out of a generation that when we left school, I left school in the 1960s, and women in New Zealand, young women, were expected to either go teaching or nursing or work in a commercial office situation. If you chose to work in the bank, you were you lost your job if you got married because they didn't employ married women. If you had a child out of wedshop, wedlock, you brought shame on your family. Such was society in those days. And it was very little different in the church because women in the church took servant roles in the church. We worked in children's ministry, we worked in missions, but there were no leadership roles really acceptable for women in the church in New Zealand. It's 130 years since women in New Zealand pushed for the vote. 
It was led by Christian women from the temperance movement because women were concerned about their men drinking in the hotels and not giving due duty to family life. That was 130 years ago. It was 40 years ago that I became the first deacon in the church here just before Colin Maloney. We were responsible, I was responsible for five properties because we were responsible for the buildings around in, at Puna and in Case Road. It's only about three or four years ago, I'm not even sure, that I became the first chairperson of the leadership team. That's how slow the church has been to accept women in ministry. And when we look at, at the woman's role in the church, we look at Jesus, because Jesus was a supreme example. Jesus defied all trend, all, everything that was expected of him. Remember at the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and the disciples looked at him and said, well, they didn't actually question him, but they were very surprised that he as a Jew was speaking, speaking to a Samaritan woman. You see, Jesus crosses all cultures and all generations. He is relevant to every country in the world. So if you go as a missionary to another country, you respect the culture of that country. But in New Zealand, fortunately, women have come to take their place in society and in the church, because as we look at scripture, Jesus is the supreme example. Jesus honoured woman. Look at the place of woman in the Bible. Look at how Paul used woman in ministry in the early church. God has no favourites of race or sex, colour or creed. He came to redeem us all. He gifted us all with the gifting of the Holy Spirit. It came upon every man, woman and child. We can claim God's Holy Spirit to minister to each of us. And that's what his desire is for us, to be in relationship with God. And so we value this statement. In our church, Fano, we affirm both men and women equally in leadership and service. We encourage all people, men and women, and our young people and our children to discover where God is calling them to serve. Remember at creation, when God made man and woman, he made us different to serve one another, to meet each other's needs. And that's what's important in our church. Praise God. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up now, please. Thank you. What I'd like to do um, is ask if we could stand together um, in unity as a kind of a commitment um, for the year that lies ahead um, to these final statements and a commitment to continuing to work together as a family to see God's kingdom come in our midst. <laughs> 